Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbereth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bigger Undie Inside the New Who Doctor Who Watch Along Podcast. It's the Doctor Who anniversary, Harry. It's November the 23rd. Yeah, oh boy, I'm happy 59th, 58th birthday. 57th. 57th? I think it's 57th. 57th? Is it the 57th birthday? Oh, yeah, so it's the 57th birthday. Yeah, we got there at the end. Happy, Sing happy birthday, Harry. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Doctor Who. Happy birthday to you. Why did you just let me keep going? Like, I don't know. No one wants to listen. I thought you might have done it as Christopher Eccleston, but you didn't. Oh, you always to do it as Christopher Eccleston? You can try. Hello, Doctor Who. It's me, Christopher Eccleston. And I hope you have one fantastic birthday. 57 years old. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Doctor Who. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Use that one. Use that take. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the first ever Doctor Who anniversary special, the 10th anniversary special. That is the three Doctors, the first ever multi-Doctor story. Um, this is our first jump into classic Who. How did you find this it? This is actually the first classic Who episode I've ever watched. Seriously? Yeah, I've never watched a... I've seen like clips and stuff of Classic Who. And yeah. I've seen like a single episode of certain episodes, but this is the first full classic Doctor story that I've watched. I think I might agree with you there. I've seen episodes of Demons, but I've never seen all four episodes of Demons. I may have seen mm. an episode of Classic Who, but this is the first Classic Who story that I've seen all the way through. Yeah. But no, I think a lot of people maybe think they've seen a lot of Classic Who. But what they've actually seen is just YouTube clips of episodes, which I think is what a lot of people have now seen. Yeah. So and only... obviously watching kind of certain scenes and clips in isolation is very different to watching a whole kind of, you know, four-part story as a package. Yeah. How did you find that, it being a four-parter? Like, it actually being a story rather than just an episode? Um, It was very, very different to New yeah. Who. Like, I know people say that New Who and Classic Who are, you know, different shows, and, but you don't really realise just how different shows they are until kind of, you know, you go back and watch it. It, is, it feels different, it looks different, it's written differently. They really are their own kind of entities. Yeah, even down to, like, the formatting of how an episode is. Like, an episode of Who Today is 45 minutes. These are like 20, 25 minutes long, mm. which baffles me because today on TV, you never get a, a program that is less than half hour long. Yeah, unless it, yeah, absolutely. You get like unless your news bulletins, like... which are like 15 minutes, and but for something to be creditable, it's half an hour. Yeah, 
and it's, it's weird like watching it because because i was going from like a bunch of new who to this there was a bit of that kind of it took some adjusting that kind of at kind of 24 minutes which is kind of when in a new who episode the action would start rolling that's when an episode would end and you have to move on to the next one here yeah um so we'll start we'll we'll go from episode to episode but we can jump around so episode one and um, the three doctors episode one Let's start with the very first thing we see, which is the Doctor Who opening titles with John Pertwee's big old face. What did you think to them? The, the opening titles, I thought they were cool. I thought they were pretty cool. I like the, uh, is it, was the theme, is that still like the first version of the Doctor Who theme that they were using? I think it's, a, I think it's changed ever so slightly. Mm. If, yeah. I think it's and, maybe uh, the same tune, but just remastered. Not like today where it's a mismatch of all sorts of different things and there's loose ties to the original in there. I think this is almost the same but just redone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was cool. I liked, you know, it was very um seven was it seventies or six, late sixties? Uh like, this like, would have been uh, ten years, so seventy three. Seventies, yeah. At least it felt very seventies. Like the you know, it was you know these kind of bright, slightly psychedelic colours, but kind of a bit more kind of techno. I mean, it and obviously just the way John Pertwee dresses, you know, this seventies kind of dandy. Yeah, it feels very seventies. Yeah. What did you um, feel to Pertwee? With him, sorry, uh, with him being your sort of first endeavor into classic Who, he being your first classic Doctor. How did you find him? He was very different, which I guess kind of. Jumping into class in classic Who from New Who, I think we probably take it a bit for granted how by the time he got to New Who, there had been a lot of kind of you know characteristics of the Doctor that had been very clearly kind of marked out. You know, like the yeah. Doctor acts a bit, you know, acts like this. They have these kind of principles. They'll do this. They won't do this. But you know, by the third Doctor, they were still kind of figuring that stuff out. So, yeah. well, you know, he was kind of. Although he didn't take play, take part in any of like you know the um, unit kind of warfare, guns are blazing. Like he was working with them. Like he was very much kind of employed by unit, which is something going from New Who. That's something that's very kind of unfamiliar territory. Yeah, well, the story is of the third Doctor is that when the second Doctor regenerates, he gets isolated to Earth. And um, mm. the TARDIS doesn't work, and they take away, they give him the TARDIS, but he doesn't have the ability to travel in time or space. So he yeah, get, gets only, a job at unit. Yeah, because it's only at the end of this four part story that the Time Lords give the Doctor the ability to actually use the TARDIS freely. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's actually, when you watch this first episode, compared to, so we compare it to the 50th, which starts with John Hurt's War Doctor. Does it? Mm. No, it, it, starts... it starts with Clara and then, yeah. then to the Doctor. Yeah. Um, with this, there's a good three or four minutes before we see the Doctor. Yeah. Well, if I it... guess... Hmm? No, go on. I guess that kind of with having like stories extended into four parts, they kind of have the opportunity to spend a bit more time just kind of in the first part, especially kind of establishing stuff, setting things up. Yeah. And then it's kind of from the second part onwards that the ball really gets rolling. Yeah. And maybe it was just adjusting for me, but like it felt like quite a slow start, this first part of the story. 
yeah, a lot no, of kind of you know talking about this strange anomaly that's happened the threat being introduced it's only towards the very end of the story that multiple doctors get introduced yeah it is yeah um john pertwee's companion in this is joe graham played by kate manning who came before um elizabeth slade and sarah jane what do you think to joe graham i think she's fantastic no she's great i mean yeah it's hard to judge her based on this one episode but it's very clear that she's well defined in the kind of companion role and that she's like kind of working thing that purpose quite well yeah, she reminds me a lot of Clara. There's a lot of um, similarities there, I feel, between those two. A lot of similarities, actually, between Clara and the Doctor, and the Doctor and... Sorry, with Clara and Joe, and 3 and 12. 12, it seems, Capaldi took a lot of inspiration from Pertwee's Doctor, I feel. You think so? Yeah, especially in Capaldi's first series, where he's quite a hard guy. He doesn't show much emotion. Maybe not so much towards the end, but this sort of... Um, no bullshit sort of guy, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that is something about um, Pertree's Doctor that kind of we're used to now the Doctor being quite alien, um, you know, and acting quite alien, but here really, Pertree, the way he kind of his Doctor kind of acts isn't super out of place, other than the fact that he dresses eccentrically and that he kind of knows he, he knows stuff about kind of the alien world that humans don't. On the whole, he acts pretty much like a normal human being. No, uh, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. We also get introduced to the brigadier. Well, obviously, you, not as for the people who actually watch the series. For us in this episode, we get introduced to the brigadier, um, a character yeah. that still has remnants in Doctor Who today. Still has the occasional appearance, no matter how that be, and also, you know, even up to. Twice Upon a Time, Capaldi's last episode, The Brigadier. Yes, <laughs> um, for, the, for those who can't see, Harry's saluted at me. Um, we'll touch on that. Um, even in Capaldi's last ever episode, The Brigadier has um, some connection to that. I think The Brigadier is, a, as somebody who mainly knows The Brigadier through passing and through New Who and not so much through Classic Who, it was actually really nice to see that character. I felt like yeah. I already knew who he was. Oh, sorry. No, go on. How did go you on. feel about him? I mean, I've obviously, I'd, I've heard a lot of love for Brigadier. I know that the Brigadier is kind of, while he's never been kind of a permanent companion in the same way that both the Travel Doctor are, he's he had a very big presence in Classic Who and he's very, very beloved. Yeah. I was actually surprised at how kind of he seemed almost not antagonistic towards the Doctor, but very kind of sceptical of the Doctor. Yeah. He was yeah, always, yeah. Yeah, he was always kind of this militaristic foil to him, which was... I, mean, I don't know if like that's how he's like with every Doctor or it's just because of like this episode being particularly exceptional, but he was more kind of dubious. But that's an interesting dynamic, which I think, you know, is more interesting than what I'd imagined he was going to be like in my mind. No, yeah, because I believe I'm just having a quick look on um, Google, because I believe the Brigadier was in at least an episode with every classic Doctor. 
I'm guessing except for Hartnell. Yeah, except for Hartnell, yeah. Well, unless yeah. you count this one. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, he appeared with every classic Doctor. Um, apart from McGann, obviously, he wasn't in the TV movie. Was he in the TV movie? I don't think he was. Let me check, otherwise we'll, only get, we'll only get emails. Um, no, but I'm sure they've met on Big Finish at some point. Um, mm. One thing that I really love about the Brigadier is his continuation in Doctor Who. Um, mm. I think the first time I was ever properly introduced to the Brigadier was in the Sarah Jane Adventures, where he makes a yeah, I know one. he was in an episode. Yeah, he makes an appearance in one of those. And um, he was also due to appear in The Wedding of Sarah Jane, which starred David Tennant. He was meant to be a guest at the wedding. But um, unfortunately, uh, the actor Nicholas... Oh, God, I can never remember. I always want to call him Nicholas Briggs. Courtney. It's Nicholas Courtney, right? Nicholas Courtney, I believe, yeah. Um, was too ill, so it wasn't able to film. There's an interview online with David Tennant where they asked David, Matt, and Jody, if they could travel with another Doctor's companion, who would it be? And Jody says she would like to travel with Rory. Matt says he would like to travel with Rose. And the Doctor's like, oh, I'd like to travel with the Brigadier. <laughs> David Tennant's like, but David Tennant was so gutted because he was like, every Doctor, apart from up to that point, apart from Chris, had met the Brigadier. And it was mm. sort of his time to have an episode with the Brigadier. But, um, it wasn't to be, which is quite sad because I, I like the Brigadier. There's a Matt Smith episode as well where he phones up the Brigadier to see if he wants to hang out again, um, but he phones up the, the hospital where the Brigadier has been staying to find out the Brigadier has passed away. Yeah, that was um, like kind of tricky because Courtney, wasn't it? Yeah, that's really sweet that. I remember a couple of years ago I binge-watched All New Who, and that was a moment I completely forgot about it. It really caught me off guard. And then yeah. again with Capaldi, where he returns as a Cyberman. Now, some yeah. people have a problem with this. I personally don't. I think it's quite a touching tribute. I feel like I don't know for Brigadier well enough yet to make a call on that. Yeah. Um, watching from a New Who perspective and as someone who didn't really have any um, connection to the Brigadier, Dear, like I can, I can see both ways. I can see how, kind of, on one hand, it is kind of a nice tribute um, to the character, but then on the other hand, the whole thing of just the image of um, Capaldi saluting a Cyberman can be interpreted as kind of goofy. Um, yeah, also I, we never we never mentioned that Kate Lethbridge Stewart is a relative of the Brigadier, so even the family name yeah. continues. I feel like I need to watch more Classic Hugh and get more a sense of the Brigadier's character to make a proper judgment on that tribute Yeah, in that new story. Yeah. yeah. Um, we get a glimpse of the Sonic Screwdriver, which has a really strange sound. Did you notice that? I didn't hear its sound. It's, like it's very it's just, different. It's just like a vibrate. It just vibrates. It doesn't have a buzz or a whistle. It's just like... It's like this really irritating vibrating sound. Hmm. Um, it's the three doctors, so we may as well get straight to it. Um, Patrick Troughton, my personal favourite classic doctor, um, is the first and probably really one of the only of the three doctors we get to see in this in this special. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? Just as when I turned up, Doctor. doctor. 
Where did you spring from? Now, don't tell me. Corporal Benton, isn't it? Sergeant Benton, now. How do you do, my dear? Nice to see you. I haven't seen you since that nasty business with the Cybermen. All those years ago. Christine, how did he get in here? Well, it's a bit difficult to explain, Joe. He's not one of them, is he? Well, not so much one of them as one of us. One of me, to be precise. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, my dear. I hate to be contrary, but I can see he's a little bit confused. Poor old chap. And I do feel you should have the correct explanation. You don't mind, do you? Yes. I didn't think you would. You see, Joe... I may call you Joe, mayn't I? You see, he is one of me. Oh, I see. You're both Time Lords. Well, quite. Well, not quite. Oh. Not, not just Time Lords. We're the same Time Lord. Now, please, you're only confusing my assistant. Joe, it's all quite simple. I am he, and he is me. And we are all together, Goo Goo Kichu? Mm -hmm. What? It's a song by the Beatles. Oh, uh, how does it go? Oh, please be quiet. Look, is he really you? Yes, yes, I'm afraid, sir. So. I think he is, Miss Grant. You see, when the Brig and I first met the Doctor, he looked like him. How? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. You've got no right to be here. Perhaps, what about the first law of time? Perhaps I could explain. Perhaps you could. Well, our fellow Time Lords out there are just as much under siege as we are. What? And they couldn't send anyone to help you. But they did summon up enough temporal energy to lift me out of my bit of our time stream and pop me down here, into my own future, so to speak. I think he's fantastic in this. I think he's so good. Um, obviously, I'm slightly biased with him being one of my favourite doctors, but the way he's able to dance around dialogue and the way he plays with it and it just rolls off his tongue, I think he's so perfect. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, like I'd heard a lot that there were a lot of kind of doctors um, like since Troughton, who like cited Troughton as kind of their main inspiration. Like I know that I think Pete Davidson cited Troughton as his inspiration, as did um, McCoy. And then Matt Smith hadn't watched any Doctor Who when he got the part, but then he rewatched some classic Who and he adored what Troughton did. Yeah. Um, and you can like when I saw Troughton when Troughton entered, I was like, oh okay, this is this is where kind of the foundation of the Doctor's character today started because yeah. Troughton like, is kind of where you see, you know, that quirkiness, that alienness, that thing where he acts a bit goofy, but kind of under the surface, he kind of knows more that's going on when he lets on. Yeah. He's very, in, he's just very intriguing and kind of, he does kind of, he doesn't quite steal every scene he's in. I feel like him and Pertwee, played off each other very well and I yeah. yeah I really like the way that they both kind of bicker and butt heads because they're very different doctors yeah well um, behind the scenes um a behind the scenes thing is that when they were handed the scripts and they would do refrews and stuff Pertwee was very the line says this on the page I will read that line that's what it says I will read it out how it is written uh, whereas Trousen I guess which plays into what I said about him being able to dance over dialogue quite well. Say, for example, if the line was, um, come in, my dear, would you like a cup of tea? He would say, oh, come in, make yourself at home, would you like a cup of tea, the kettle's on. That's what he would say. So he would sort of, the, the same message would be there, but he would change it. And apparently at first, Pertwee would be slightly frustrated by this because obviously a lot of the dialogue is Pertwee, Trouton, Pertwee, Trouton, back and forth yeah. between the two. And Pertwee would be like, 
I don't know when he's finished speaking. <laughs> so you do notice in that first episode, mainly there's bits where they talk over each other a little bit or they stutter a bit when the other person's talking because they think it's their cue, but it's not. It's probably because Patrick Charles is making the lines up as he goes along. <laughs> it really works though. And it's very fun. Like my favorite parts from this whole story um, were just the scenes with Troughton and Pertwee together and just the yeah. way that they kind of the way that they both kind of like like kind of you know the things that they have like I feel like this is the thing that's always interesting with Doctor crossovers which is kind of the things they have in common and the things that they don't have in common and just how they kind of the moments where the two Doctors really kind of brush up against each other and really like clash and then the parts where they're really harmonious and working together and yeah. you get those two extremes so much and it's it's just fun to watch it's yeah. really fun to watch and it's amazing that kind of with this first ever multi-doctor story they were able to kind of identify what made these kind of stories so like interesting and really hone in on that yeah um did you pick up on a line um, where Charlton walks into the TARDIS and he says, oh, you've redecorated. I don't like it. Oh, yeah. Which oh, has yeah. just been like echoed through Who history for years to come. I mean, that was a bit of a catchphrase for Charlton, wasn't it? No, I don't think so. I think he just says it in this one episode. And since oh, I, I then... I thought when... it was said a few times. No, I don't think so. I think it's just the one. And then throughout Who history, everybody says it. Ten says it in the yeah. 50th. Clara mm. says it in Deep Breath. Oh, the Magician's yeah. Apprentice, which I can't remember. Um, I think River Song says it at some point as well. So he gets more. Even Moffat likes that line. Yeah, it gets said a lot. Um, I'm just looking through my notes. Did you notice the boom mic at 21 seconds, at uh, 21 minutes, 19 seconds? But I did not. You probably <laughs> have a better art than I do. <laughs> just suddenly out the top of the screen, there's like this little boom mic, and it just, just disappears. I was like, oh, someone's dropped a boom. Um, I know that like back when it came to filming in the 60s, didn't really have a chance to like do retakes because of just kind of the way TV shows are filmed. Did they have opportunities to do many retakes in the 70s or was it kind of a similar thing where like in an similar. episode they could only make a couple of retakes? For the most it was, part, it was like yeah. live. It was probably quite similar. And also what we might find is, I know the version I watched was a special edition, so we may be seeing more picture than what we actually saw in 1973, if you know what I mean. Oh, right. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah. What do you think to contact? Contact? Oh, the thing, <laughs> that was, that really caught me off guard. And I'm still not, is that just their way of, um, can you just clarify for me? Because I've never seen that before. It's when the they make contact, is that them just like, is it I, their way of like sharing thoughts quickly without having to talk about it? I think it is. I think it's a quick way instead of having the doctor explaining to himself scientific mumbo jumbo that the audience wouldn't understand. They just tell it to each other and then they do it, and we work out what it is by watching them do it. Yeah, and I don't think it's something that's ever been done since. It most certainly didn't happen in the 50th. It didn't happen in Time Crash. It didn't happen in Twice Upon a Time. I don't believe it happened in the Two Doctors either. So it's quick. The closest example I can think is um, in is a story called The Lodger with James Corden. 
Oh, well, they'd bang heads, don't but, they? Yeah, but that's, yeah. The, that's obviously not contact. And David yeah. Tennant just kisses everybody to tell them his faults. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then David and Jody have like the a raise mind thing. That's true, they do. Um, do, 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 do. The doctors have a lot of kind of mind tricks that they only use a handful of times. Yeah. I feel like this was maybe a plot device just to speed up the the plot slightly. <laughs> maybe they're like, oh, well, we can't just keep having them explain stuff to each other. What can we do? Oh, we'll just have them contact. And then they just stand there yeah. and it goes for about 30 seconds and gives everybody a migraine. <laughs> one one mistake I did notice is when they look at oh, we'll get on to Hartnell uh, when Hartnell appears on the TV screen and they're looking at him you can see where the TARDIS set ends and where the rest of the studio is I didn't notice that yeah if you look you can see like Pertwee and Troughton, the Brigadier um, Joe and Sergeant Benson and then just like the edge of the TARDIS set and then just like the rest of the studio <laughs> It was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so, Trow- uh, not Trowel, sorry, Pert- uh, not Pertwee, look at that. Hartnell's in Hartnell. this. Hartnell's in this yeah. um, very, very briefly throughout the four episodes, but he's there. Um, thoughts on Hartnell? Uh, I was surprised that he appeared as much as he did. Like, I only knew about his first scene, and I thought yeah. that was it. Um, yeah, but I've always called that they'd found a way to kind of feed him into all four parts and that kind of he served a bit of a different purpose obviously as kind of his role was kind of a go-between for the time lords and the the two active doctors hmm. um, yeah I, I mean it makes me kind of question. sorry go on, go on and this is probably something I have no authority questioning because I've this is the only classic who I've watched so far but it makes me question, like, from what point in time this version of the First Doctor is. Like, is this the First Doctor before he runs away from Gallifrey with the TARDIS, if he's, like, just in correspondence with the Time Lords casually uh, like this? Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know. They sort of touch on it a bit with Troughton, don't they, where the Brigadier is sort of listing all this stuff, and he sort of, and Troughton says, yeah, I sort of remember some of this, but I, I might do and I might not. I don't really know. So they sort of touch on it a little bit, but they don't give a definitive answer. Yeah. Um, Hartnell's involvement was originally, it was meant to be bigger because they phoned, the, the, the producers phoned Troughton up and they said, do you want to be in it? And he said, yes. And they phoned Hartnell up and they said, do you want to be in it? And he said, yes. So they got two writers involved who started writing the story and they'd finished writing the first episode and they handed it into the BBC. And then they got a phone call from William Hartnell's wife who says... Bills keeps saying he's going to be in Doctor Who again. What's going on? And um, one of the producers says, well, we haven't got a contract for it, but he said he'd be happy to be in the 10th anniversary with Troughton and Pertwee and da-da-da-da-da. To which his wife says, you must have caught him on a, one of his good days because there's no way he's well enough to be able to appear as the Doctor, as you wish, in all four yeah. episodes. It's just not going to happen. So they went back and forth negotiating and then basically, on one day, a car turned up at Hartnell's house, took him to Ealing Studios in London. They put a load of makeup on him, put him in his costume, sat him in a chair in front of a blackboard, and someone on the other side of the camera held big cards with the lines on it, and he just read it off the off the uh, off the board. 
Yeah. Because my understanding is that he was in love with the role from yeah. my understanding of an adventure in space and time and that he loved being a doctor in that giving it up wasn't something he particularly wanted to do but had to do through ill health. So I imagine yeah. being able to return was something of a treat, even if he wasn't one hundred percent dedicated to it. Not like sorry, not dedicated. Uh, that's the wrong word. He, yeah. Wasn't fully even he knew he wasn't fully able to commit to it properly. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact is, yeah. I mean it's kind of like you said, like obvious it's very obvious from watching that his role is limited and there are a lot of limitations. Obviously his health wasn't the best at that point. Um, but kind of it's a way his inclusion is kind of as much a thing, kind of a nice thing for Hartnell as it is for us as the viewers. Um, like it's nice that he got to do a multi-doctor story and that we have that, but also it's kind of nice that he had that opportunity to return to that role that he loved so much. Yeah, there was a part. There was a part in the fourth part where they, where he says Hartnell passes a comment about being, "Oh, I'm going to have to get involved more" or something like that. And I, and part of me thought, oh, "Is he actually going to appear? Are we going to get a shot of the three of them all together?" But it never happened. I just thought, "Is that been something that's just slipped me by all the years?" Because there are promo shots of the three of them all stood together and. Um, things like that, but not for the actual episode. Well, I'm guessing they were kind of doctored. Pardon? I'm guessing they were, without for lack of a better word, they were doctored photos. I know, I think it's a legit photo of Troughton. I'll see if I can dig it up for you now. Just a second, I'm getting a phone call. Alright, just let me pause this. I pushed the right button for a change. (laughs) Yeah, this is the picture I was trying to tell you about. If I can share it. There you go. There's the three of them together. Oh, wow, yeah, the three oh, really did. Just... Wow, I wonder when that happened. I don't know. I think it was mainly for promo stuff for the show. Yeah. Maybe it was on the day Hartnell recorded all of his lines. I'm not totally sure. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I, I, I didn't realise there was a time when the three of them properly met face-to-face, so... <laughs> That, that, that's pretty, that is pretty cool that those images exist and that they yeah. did that even if it was a promo shoot, yeah. So I wonder what, if audience... Sorry, go on, go on, it's fine. No, I just kind of had the thought, I wonder how audiences at the time would have received Hartnell's kind of limited inclusion, if people would have been disappointed or if people who grew up watching Hartnell would have grown out of it by that point and wouldn't be watching anyway or I think maybe people would have been aware that he left the show due to ill health. So maybe they weren't expecting a big part from him, but just appreciated that he was there. Yeah, perhaps. perhaps. Maybe not not like the 50th where the the classic doctors were up and available to do it and they just didn't bother putting them in. Yeah. Which kind of annoyed people. Um, but I guess it makes sense kind of if you look at these kind of classic who um, crossover events, so for anniversaries they get everyone they can involved. And they, yeah. Take note, Chibnall. That's what we want to see. Um, talking of Chibnall... It would definitely make a... Sorry. Pardon? I was just going to say, it would definitely make the 60th stand out if they literally tried to get as many doctors as possible in there. Yeah. Talking of Chibnall, um, I apologise to touch on it again. The timeless child slash children um, thing... 
of there being doctors before Hartnell. Um, the the story is the timeless child is that the the doctor Hartnell's doctor there was doctors before that, and they were kept secret from the doctor by the Time Lords. I believe that's right. That's correct. It's like the yeah. Time Lords, whenever the doctor kind of finished regeneration cycle, they would like wipe their mind and make them think that they're dying in you. Yeah. Like, so, you know, so why why do the Time Lords in this? Refer to Hartnell's doctor as the earliest doctor. One of them, the, the main guy says, Show me the earliest doctor, and then a picture of Hartnell appears on the screen. I guess the earliest of that doctor's memories cycle. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it, Harry? They didn't think I, it. I, I, there's a lot of potholes in Doctor Who. Like, <laughs> they were making it up as they went along. Um, the episode ends on a cliffhanger. That was good. Yeah, it was like uh, Doc Perch. Oh, Harry, I can't hear you. <gasps> Harry's dead. He's frozen. Oh, oh, he's back again. Harry, you froze. You froze. Oh, where do you want to go from? I had. Um, let's start. We'll start it again. Start what you were saying again. Yeah, it ends with um, Pertwee and uh, Joe getting warped to the uh, the um, place, you know, the um, Omega realm, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, sort of the black um, hole sort of thing, yeah. That was it, yeah. I kind of find it, what do you think of this? Because I was actually quite surprised that for a large portion of this story, the two main doctors are separated. Yeah, I noticed that. It was something that stood out to me. Um, it was, I suppose it's quite interesting to see them together, then separating and trying to work independently of each other to reunite themselves with each other. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't think you could get away with that now. Yeah, like I, I was in two minds of it. Like in one mindset, I thought it was you know cool um, to have the um, have Troughton have to deal with. A bunch of people who know the doctor primarily as Pertree and have to deal with explaining that to them without Pertree's help. But on the other hand, kind of the big draw to a multi doctor story is those two doctors interacting with each other. Mm. And so, and that in this episode to me is definitely like the strongest aspect of it. So the fact that you kind of separate them feels like it's kind of holding back from the audience what they want to see. Maybe they felt like it would exhaust itself yeah. but judging from stories such as the um 50th where kind of from the moment um matt and david meet they're not separated until david leaves at the end yeah no you're right yeah like yeah i feel like there's enough potential within two doctors meeting if it's you know well written enough and their personalities like are different enough to clash all that to be sustained for a whole story. Yeah. Um, episode two, then, we'll go into that, um, picks up... When does it pick up episode two? Does it pick up with... What I did like is the fact that each new episode picked up with, like, a 30-second recap of what happened last time, and then straight yeah, into the cool, new Yeah, Yeah, so you could string it all together into, like, one seamless story if you wanted to. Yeah, I bet someone's done that, edited the whole thing together as, like, a, 
an hour and a half. Do you uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. There's a really great line in this where the second doctor is with the brigadier and Sergeant Benson and they are looking at the weird hieroglyphic on the floor sort of thing. It's like the, the thing that looks like an ink spillage and they're going mm. up to it and it sort of freaks out a little bit and the doctor just says, it's all right, I think it was just hiccups. <laughs> yeah. uh, they also refer the time laws refer to the doctors once again by their numbers um, they say the second doctor the third doctor which you know I'm not saying anymore um, oh we get our proper Doctor Who story set in a quarry that was good yeah that's, <laughs> I noticed they were in a quarry yeah. That's always the joke, isn't it? You're either in a quarry, a forest, or like in a swamp with Doctor Who. Yeah. It's very often a quarry. Have you noticed like classic modern New Who hasn't shied away from quarries a good few times? <laughs> like, as soon as we were there, I was like, ah, here we are. <laughs> this is definitely classic Who. Mm. What do you think I to already... uh, Beth- Bessie, the Doctor's car? Um, The Phoenix took out to me was when he first drove Bessie, there was like that little jingle, like the music. That just made me smile. <laughs> yeah, there's some, I've got here, there's um, some really good music in this. Uh, when we see the jelly guard monster things, you know, the things that look like giant yeah. um, spitballs. When when we first see one of them walking in the quarry, he's walking in time with the music. So like, as the beat goes, like his little jelly arms are just like bouncing around. <laughs> yeah. um, um, no, the music was strange. <laughs> Yeah, it was very kind of like, you know, of its time, but it kind of worked for this kind of like sci-fi TV show 70s. It felt very of the time yeah. and kind of it got me into the right headspace for it. So here's the thing that Bessie reminded me of. Um, did you ever see, like, when you were a really little kid? Brum. Did you ever see Brum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brum. It's the same car. Brum, yeah, brum, here he comes. Do, 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 do. Brum, brum, here he comes. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't get Brum out of my head. And that's probably... <laughs> that's probably to the detriment of um, Doctor Who, because I feel like Doctor Who wants to be taken a bit more seriously than Brum. But <laughs> I couldn't get that image out of my mind. And that's yeah. my immature thinking. Um, the doctor driving a car, yeah, it's cool. And especially seeing as like the TARDIS is pretty much out of commission, it makes sense for him to have some kind of iconic vehicle. Yeah, I believe that car now is at the Burma, not Burma. Um, <laughs> the it's, it's in a motor museum down south towards Portsmouth, around there. And it's um, you know there was a lot of other TV and movie cars. And I was watching TV a few weeks ago, and they were there on like I think, were, I think it was the repair shop, which was you don't know. Is a BBC oh, yeah. uh, television program where people bring in like their granddad's old gun and they fix it up and shoot people with it. It's a really interesting program. <laughs> um, but this one, they were like, <laughs> what was that? Sorry, well, it's the UK, so it isn't usually a gun. I'd like to think. I don't know. I've never it. Do people actually bring guns on the show? No, she's like a rocking horse. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, that's 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 the wholesome BBC content. I like and they to went see. to this motor museum. And I was watching it and I'm like, what is that car they're doing work on? And I captured another plate and another plate says WHO1, who won? Mm. And then it cuts out and it's Bessie. It's the original Bessie car they're doing work on. But they didn't refer to it at all. It was almost the equivalent of them going, 
Okay, so today we're going to the garage and we're going to fit a new engine to a classic car and it being a full kitted out 1985 DeLorean time machine from Back to the Future and not yeah, once yeah. referencing it. It was so bizarre. Yeah, didn't, um, maybe they just kind of assumed slash hoped that the people who watch Repair Shop wouldn't know what Bessie is. But last time I was because I know my mum definitely remembers Pertwee here yeah. and she remembers like Bessie. I think you could show a lot of Doctor Who fans Bessie and go, what is this? Even New Who and they would probably know what it was. Yeah, like, but I, I just remember like, my mum telling me about like the Brigadier and Bessie and Pertwee being like the action doctor and having yeah. like, like all these army guys and stuff. So yeah, I feel like weird that a modern BBC show would just pretend <laughs> that's so not... Weird. Yeah, because people would pick up on that, definitely. But uh, didn't Pertwee... Hmm? Sorry, go on. I'd, well, no, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there are, like, three Bessies and that Pertwee actually kept one of them. I know he kept the Hoomobile, which is, like, the hovercraft, isn't it? Oh. Okay, so he didn't keep a, Be- a Bessie, but he kept I'm not a... sure. I'm just okay. looking. Uh um, history. Yeah, that's the history of the show. Uh, I don't uh, want the history of the show. I just want to know. Oh, it looks like the seventh Doctor. The Doctor is delighted to be with Bessie in TV's Battlefield. So Bessie returns with the seventh Doctor. Um, I'm not sure if he actually... I don't know. I can't see anything on here. It wouldn't surprise me. I know I've seen one of them at the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff when that was still around. Um, so yeah, I imagine there was a few made, at least three. There's usually there's usually three. You usually get an action one, one for stills, and one for interior shots. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. 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 Uh, did you know the Second Doctor offers somebody jelly babies before Tom Baker's I, Doctor ever got the chance I to? That. I was like. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, oh, so it didn't originate with Baker. Yeah, strange. I wonder where... That, is that the first time the Doctor offers someone a jelly baby then? The jelly baby thing is something that's so often associated as a um, fourth Doctor thing. And then, of course, like Capaldi referenced it a couple of times. But, you know, it's a Tom Baker thing, the jelly baby. Yeah. At least in the public consciousness. So yeah. it was a bit like, oh, whoa, what? Yeah. But to hear it earlier incarnation before Baker was even introduced yeah. doing it. Um, we'll go to episode three, which introduces us to Omega. Omega? Omega? It, I feel like it should be pronounced Omega, but everyone called him Omega. Omega. Okay, we'll go with Omega. Well, one uh, person called him Omega, but within the show, generally, it was Omega. Omega. Yeah. Um, his voice is very unsatisfying, isn't it? <laughs> He's very dramatic. I, I, I wrote down um, <laughs> I wrote down he reminded me of David Prowse's Darth Vader. Have you seen those video clips where you can still hear oh, Dave yeah. Prowse? You are a liar. Take her away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's like that where they probably thought, oh we'll just dub this guy over afterwards and they probably got too late and they didn't get a chance. Um I don't feel like I feel like they always intended to use his voice. Um I feel like have. probably the fact that you I thought yeah, it was fine for the character. You know, it was like this big, evil villain. And for a crossover, they wanted to have like the biggest, most villainous villain they could. So they had this really, you know, 
intimidating guy with a mask and a loud voice. He should return for what, the what? new Who. I'd like to see him return. Omega, I mean, didn't he like, effectively die at the end of this? Oh story? yeah, and what? The Master hasn't, Davros hasn't, the Daleks haven't, the Cybermen hasn't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because just bring him back. Just bring uh, him back. Did they say that he's the guy who invented time travel? Time travel, for- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. There's Interesting. A, there's, there's a, uh, again, I'm pointing out the odd mistake every now and again. There's a shot where the camera cuts in close on Omega, Omega, Omega whatever his name is. And Omega. Omega. And you catch the shadow of the camera on his cloak. <laughs> oh, dear. So yeah. I, I just I didn't notice these things. You have a more perceptive <laughs> eye for this. The other thing I noticed was the uh, the cloak he's wearing is very rustly. You can hear it a lot when he's moving. Mm. It's almost quite distracting. Like you'll be saying this line, and all you can sort of hear. I don't have anything. Can you hear this? Not yeah. really. Vaguely. No. I'm scrunching up a face mask. Uh, I don't have it. I don't have a cloak. Oh, I just put my cloak in the wash and everything. What a fool. <laughs> yeah, you can sort of hear that. Um, what, what what really stood out to me about episode three is that they don't really care about showing you the inside of the TARDIS when there is nothing there. What do you mean? So there's a shot where where Charlton says, quick, everybody into the TARDIS, and the camera turns around, and it's just... It's, he opens the doors, and it's just a black box, and they all I've just stand in it. <laughs> on the outside, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. um, Eccleston one where he opens a talisman and there's like nothing there on Father's yeah. Day. It's like that, but they all like, quick, get in. And they all get in like this little cramped space. I suppose, trying to think back to the era, I guess kind of in a time of like, you know, um, smaller CRC televisions, maybe that stuff just didn't stand out. Yeah. But you would have thought even then you would... would have just filmed it from another angle. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know why I've got this in my notes for episode three. I've just wrote the brigadier is a bit thick. In in terms of just how he's always like, what's going on, Doctor? What is this nonsense, Doctor? Well, he knows the Doctor by this point, doesn't he? He spent a good time with the third yeah. Doctor. He knows the second he knows, Doctor. He met both the yeah. second and the But doctors, he still doesn't yeah. believe him. Like when like they open the doors to unit and they're on like a sand planet and he's like oh we're at the beach <laughs> well, where do you reckon we are not where he thinks we are now see here doctor you have finally gone too far i'd rather think we all have what's it like out there there's well there's sand everywhere oh splendid who's for a swim do you realize what you've done you've stolen the whole of unit hq now what am i going to tell geneva that the whole blessed building has been picked up and put down on some deserted beach we're probably miles from london I'm afraid we're a little bit further than that, Brigadier. You mean we're not even in the same country? There will be international repercussions. This could be construed as an invasion. It's not just a matter of the same country, sir. The Doctor's right. We're not even in the same universe. What? Oh, nonsense, Benton. I tell you, that's a beach out there. It's probably in Norfolk or somewhere like that. Oh, please, if you'd only listen right, to me. Right, now, I'll tell you what we'll do. You two stay here. See that nobody wanders in. We can't have the place overrun with holidaymakers. I'll nip out, find a phone, and tell the authorities exactly where we are. Huh. I mean, I, I don't know. Have like, I don't know um, 
how if they've like met how Zygon's been introduced by this point, maybe I'm like that's sure. a thing. He's dubious about that. Um, I, I did notice, I did think that halfway into this episode, I did start to think, isn't this episode called The Three Doctors? And so far, we've mainly only seen two, and now they're on their own. Hmm. So it's really just the I mean, one yeah, doctor. Like the, kind of, yeah, I think, like, when it was just, like, looking at Pertwee, that was kind of the least engaging stuff for me, just because... Um, that's what you would be getting anyway? Yeah, that's what you'd be getting regularly each week, and for, like, this kind of event anniversary... I guess you'd want something a bit different. Like, I felt the same way when I first watched um, The Day of the Doctor for the 50th. Yeah. Like, until David Tennant appeared, I was asking, where's David Tennant? <laughs> um, I, I like the fact that every set, every location they go to has a completely flat floor. Everything is the same black flat studio floor. Like now they might be walking on some gravel or they might put a stone down but it's just like this black studio floor every single time. I mean, I guess someone described kind of classic television, classic Doctor Who once. Um, it was in a video. I think it was Clever Dick Films, um, if you ever watched him. Uh, he's got pretty good videos. Like He kind of documents the history of kind of each Doctor era pretty comprehensively. Okay. And his introductory video, he says that to get into classic Who, you need to... F- you can't compare it to the standards of modern TV. You need to of think course. of it almost like you have to think of it more like theatre and have that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By no means am I am I trash. Well, why do I not find this enjoyable at all? I found this story to be massively enjoyable. It's not too for God's sake. Of course, I'm going to love it to bits. But it is because we've been watching so much new here and talking about it and watching all these extras and researching it and you know, just endlessly talking about Doctor Who for like about three hours every week when you suddenly are, are thrown to 1973 you see such a stark difference and it does stand out. I imagine if if I was to sign up for BritBox and watch all of these, I would eventually become um, numb to the differences and I just wouldn't see them anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think kind of when moving to kind of a new format or a new way of presenting something there's always kind of that transition. Yeah. Um, like, kind of based on just this, and like, I'm not clamoring to watch more poetry, but I don't know, maybe a poetry solo story would be more focused. And because that's what I'd be expecting, I'd be able to get into bits of just him. But for this anniversary special, I was mostly kind of itching for that multi doctor action. Yeah. What do you think to the dark side of my mind sequence where the doctor has that weird slow motion fight? That was I, I. I was digging that. I was digging that. But went on a slow bit too motion long. Went on a bit too long for my liking. Yeah, I mean, isn't that quite an arc? Isn't that something that the um, third Doctor was quite known for? You know, like getting his fists out, doing some karate chops. Yeah, he's, he was like the action Doctor, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess um, in that regard, this is a kind of a more artistic. Maybe. It's, Within the context of the third Doctor, this was a very kind of different change of pace. Mm. This kind of slow mo interdimensional fight thing. I dug it. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I liked the way it looked. Yeah. So episode four kicks just... off. Sorry, go on. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. I mean, yeah, just like I thought it looked kind of like kind of weird, but kind of cool. I, I was digging it. Yeah. 
So episode four kicks off with the slow motion fight. We're still in it. And we get another amazing second Doctor line where he sort of talks about the magic lamp. And he says, you rub that magic lamp and shall it be mechanically zoop? Anything happens. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing that I really noticed episode five is how gullible Omega is. He's so mm-hmm. gullible. Anything I mean, yeah, he's just, Sorry, go on. I guess he's just kind of like so caught up in his own mind and his own head that he kind of... Yeah, he's just very susceptible. That well, you say... like, how long is it... Sorry, go on. How long has he been in his own... That his like dimension of his? No idea, but long enough for his head to disappear. Hmm. I, I feel mean... so bad because I know it was Cutting Edge at the time and it was amazing and all this. But the scene where he lifts off his helmet to reveal he has no head, I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, at least I actually thought the way that shot was composed, the composition of it was pretty cool. And that, like, where his head would would have been, you can see Troughton and Pertwee. <laughs> That's I thought why I, was, like, I found it so funny because, like, just in the background, you could just see Troughton and Pertwee like <laughs> like this, like almost like scooping into the shot. I just found it so funny because I, what I was expecting to see was almost like a skull or a deformed face, something quite scary, not just nothing. I mean, maybe Omega is, like you said, a character who warrants um, being brought back for a, a new Who story to like really see, kind of get a modern slant on him and see if that does him better justice. Yeah, did you notice his mask pops up as well at one point, and you can you see the actor's face underneath? Oh, I didn't see his face underneath. I I, I saw the bit where like Charles flipped up, and he's like, "Oh, word, no." Mm. <laughs> that's good. Though. That's good. No, but there's a scene where he's really angry. Where Omega's really angry, and he's shouting, and he bangs his headphones. And as it goes back, the flap opens, and you see he's wearing like a balaclava, and you just see like the chin of the actor underneath. Oh no, I missed yeah. that. The thing is, I was just expecting him without the mask to look how he did in like the weird like black void fight. Because in the black void fight, he didn't have the mask on. He just had this really grotesque face. Didn't was he? that was that Omega? I thought that was meant to be Omega. Was it not meant to be Omega? I'm not sure. I'm gonna have a look. I don't think it was. I think it was just like some twisted um, pig thing, wasn't it? Oh, was that just like a machination of Omega's? mind. Maybe, I think so. I'm just having a look. Yeah. I've just Googled um, the character. I can't seem to see anything that would suggest that that is who he is. Uh, no, I think it is just like a weird alien creature thing. Oh, right. Um, what else do I have in my notes here? Oh, did you notice that the doctor, the two doctors were able to run from Omega to the unit base quicker than the Brigadier was able to drive there? Um, well, that's because um, when Time Lord's got to go, they just got to go to. Right, okay, I understand. That's uh, another. That's another. That's another multi-doctor power. Like it's like the um, super speed. They run twice as fast because they're both there. Yeah, it's like it's in, in get. Hmm, we've got an engaged Time Lord speed. Yes, quite. We have to double our, our feet polarity. <laughs> <laughs> Not see that team? Maybe you didn't see the extended version, too. 
what I saw was, was a du- what I saw was a dusty TARDIS interior. There's a scene where they're all stood around a console and the top of the uh, the column that goes up and down. There's just a thick layer of dust on it. Did you notice that? Oh, Harry's frozen again. I upset him with my um, comments. Oh no, he's back. Did you finish the thing you were saying about the TARDIS interior looking dusty? Yeah, I did yeah. Well, you see, well, I know that the TARDIS has been out of commission for a while. So, um, like, I'm sure you, like, does the Doctor strike you as the type of person who can be bothered to clean? Nah. <laughs> no, not really. I feel, like no, I feel like none of those three incarnations would have bothered to clean up the TARDIS. Well, we see in the, in the um, uh, Twice Upon a Time that William Hartnell, sorry, the first Doctor passes comment that the TARDIS is very dirty and that he should get one of his women to clean it. He says, why are you... He points yeah. at Bill and says, why don't you clean it? Which is all, but which of course is a joke to the time difference of where the first Doctor comes from. It's quite funny. Um, I didn't know when I was well off. Did you pick up on that line, which is also repeated in the 50th anniversary? Wait, who said that? Uh, I can't remember. So, I think I think the first Doctor mentions it. He says, I didn't know when I was well off. And then in the 50th anniversary, the general says it. He says, I didn't know when I was well off. All 12 of them. And then one of them says, no, sir, all 13. And then we see Capaldi's scary uh, eyes. Um, the episode ends... Well, that really likes this special, doesn't he? He does. Um, the episode ends with the Time Lords giving back the Doctor the one piece is a new chameleon circuit thingy, isn't it? So that he's able to it's travel in time. It's not chameleon circuit, it's something else, yeah. What's the matter, Doctor? Everything worked out all right, didn't it? Yes. For us. I know what it is. It's because you had to trick Omega. I didn't exactly trick him. I promised him his freedom and I gave it to him. The only freedom he could ever have. What else could you do? It was either him or everything. Time Lords. Look, they've sent me a new dematerialization circuit. And my knowledge of time travel law and all the dematerialization codes, they've all come back. They've forgiven me. They've given me back my freedom. I suppose you'll be rushing off then. No, it's not straight away, Joe. Of course not. I've got to build a new force field generator first. Yeah, so he's able to travel in time. And that's the three doctors, Harry. Yep. Um, I feel like I probably should have, for my first step into classic who should have probably chosen something a bit more standard. There was a lot for me to process in addition to the fact that doctors are crossing over. So I don't know how kind of exceptional an episode this was compared to most. Basically, oh. I need to watch more classic who. But who who the, did you find to be the uh, most engaging like, doctor? Uh definitely Troughton. Yeah. Um like I feel I I really want to watch some Troughton now because yeah. Troughton is just like so you know, maybe it's because that's kind of a good way in because so much of what Troughton did and introduced is still kind of followed through into kind of modern Doctors. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know um, Colin Baker always praised Patrick Troughton by saying Patrick Troughton did the job that enabled everybody else to be able to do their job. 
if Charlton, if that hadn't have worked, we wouldn't have had a Tennant or an Eccleston or a Baker or a McCoy. We wouldn't have had anything else. Yeah. So what did you think altogether? This being your first dive into classic Doctor Who, did you enjoy it? Could you, could you, did you watch it and w- was able to go? Oh, this is this is still Doctor Who. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still. I feel like it's hard because I know that the kind of the Pertwee era specifically was so markedly different. In fact, there were much more stories kind of you know around this unit base and this unit team. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> You know, obviously you can still tell, you know, the Doctor is the Doctor, the TARDIS is the TARDIS, yeah. there's a companion, there's a there's a monster slash villain with some big alien plan that probably involves the destruction of the Earth or the universe or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's still Doctor Who. It's still Doctor Who. It's just kind of presented with a different flavour. Yeah. I'm just looking now at the classic episodes I own to see what could possibly be our next venture into classic yeah. Who. It will be a while because we're going to do series two of New Who before we do any more classic. But um, obviously this time next year we'll do the five Doctors, uh, which is basically three Doctors again, a man in a wig and some footage of Tom Baker. Um, we could do Anarchy in Space, Destiny of the Daleks, Sharda, the movie. That might be a good one to do. The movie could be good, yeah. Because it sort of acts as a pilot itself. Yeah. Um, or we could go right to the beginning and do an unearthly child. Mm. I wouldn't mind seeing an unearthly child. Yeah. That'd be cool. What we need to do at some point as well is I really want to do that episode where um, I pitched you a few days ago where I just read out really bad Doctor Who reviews and you got to guess what episode people are talking about. Yeah, that, that'd be that'd wild. Be <laughs> Is there anything we haven't touched upon with the with the three doctors that you think we should mention? Um, can't think of anything. I think we've kind of. What about that guy who walks around carrying a gun for four episodes, (laughs) and then eventually gets home to his wife at the end? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what what he made of all that. Did they even see him return? Did anyone get a chance to explain to him what actually happened? I don't think so. No, poor bastard. He's <laughs> just totally confused by the whole thing. Maybe he just like thought someone like laced his tuna sandwich with something fierce and just had a bad trip. <laughs> Most more than likely, more than likely. So that does bring us to the end of our first venture to Classic Who with the three Doctors, the Doctor Who 10th anniversary special. It is Doctor Who Day. It is the Doctor Who 57th anniversary um, amazing that it's lasted 57 years. Well, not actually, you say that, but it's not amazing because it's a fantastic show. Um, I th- I th- the only thing that I find amazing is that it's still on the air. Some idiot at the BBC hasn't pulled it off yeah. yet. I know, but this isn't a milestone for this date specifically, but it happened within the past year that um, Doctor Who has been back now for as long, well, now longer than it had been off the air. Yeah. So that that's such yeah. a good sign that... Um, and I know people are going to turn around and say, well, you know, it's losing viewing figures and all this, and every programme at the moment on TV is losing viewing figures. No yeah. TV programme is reaching the numbers that we were in 2005. You, I don't feel you can obsess over, with overnight viewing figures because people don't watch TV the conventional and I think way. Like, 
I remember like checking Twitter like every night when Doctor Who was on. Like Doctor Who trended in the UK. Like it got to the number one, number two on trending every time a new episode came out. So people were still, you know, watching and engaging with Doctor Who. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So um, I know it's strange because it's like we have zero connection to that show in the sense that we have nothing to do with it apart from the fact we just do this podcast. But on a personal note, that program is massively important to me. And I genuinely, I was thinking about it today before we sat down to do this. And when I met, oh, it's such a shit name job. When I met David Tennant, um, <laughs> I said to him, I was like, you, you, this show is so important to me. And, um, what I said to David was, even though I know the show exists outside of you and you're not actually the Doctor, but you are the visual representation of Doctor Who at the time of me being obsessed with it. Um, it is so important to so many people. and I think it would be a massive shame if something were to happen to it where it would disappear from our screens again. I feel like as soon... I feel like if the show were to go off the air again, um, I can't see it happening any time like within the immediate future yeah. um if it were to happen i feel like it would not take as long as it did last time for it to come back no what was it like 15 years uh, it was off for wasn't it yeah well i feel like if you look at something like star wars like what was the gap between the end of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy something um, like 1980 um i want to say 87 yeah, so what was it, like 15, yeah. 20, 15 years or something, 10 years? And then, like, between the prequels and ending and The Force Awakens, that was, like, 10 years. So, like, the gaps that people are having, like, breaks from things are becoming shorter and shorter. Yeah. So I feel like it would be, at the very most, like, a decade that we would go about Doctor Who, but I feel like it would be something close to like five years if the show to go off the yeah. air. Yeah, and also even when Doctor Who went off the air, it didn't disappear. We had Big Finish, we had the comics, we had the no- we had the novels, so it, it won't yeah. disappear. I feel Doctor Who's going to be around. Yeah, right I feel like the fan base is strong as ever, and like I feel like as soon as it would like go, people would start missing it and demanding it would come back. I would miss it immensely. It's been so... I, I Now and again, as a film student, I always think about what are the things that have inspired me to pursue a career in creative arts. And I'm sure you're the same. And it always comes down to the same things. It always comes down to Batman, Back to the Future, and Doctor Who. And the first out of all of those things was Doctor Who. Mm watching Doctor Who and then watching Doctor Who Confidentials and being like, how the hell did they make that? I feel like by taking programs like that off the air that capture people's imagination, you then strip away the interest of people wanting to work in that industry. Absolutely. I mean, I know that, like, obviously I'm currently, like, hoping to eventually be an actor. And my first introduction to the concept of what an actor was was David Tennant because I knew David Tennant from Doctor Who. I knew he was the Doctor. And then I also had this audiobook of How to Train Your Dragon that was read by David Tennant. And David Tennant obviously read the book 
in his normal Scottish accent. So Blasphemy. at once I was introduced both to the fact that um, you know, David Tennant is not just a doctor, he is someone whose job it is to play that character on TV and he does other things as well, but also that he doesn't use that voice in real life. Yeah. That that's just a voice he does for TV. So like that was a big kind of whoa, people do that <laughs> in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, you said you you sang it at the start, but happy birthday, Doctor Who. Um, you're yeah, probably, you're the best program on earth, and we owe you so much. And with that, uh, I'll I, say a tearful. Pat, what'd you say? Because you said it's a great show. I mean, like there are other shows like more than Doctor Who, but that's probably not the best thing to say on someone's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like, did, do you know what? Someone asked me the other day. They went. They went, you do podcasts about Doctor Who must be your favourite show. And I sat there and I just suddenly went, I don't think it is my favourite show, but it's the show I love the most. Mm. It might not be my favourite consistently, but when it's on and the impact it's had on me is greater than any other show will ever have or ever has had. For me, it's just a very fun show to talk about like it's been around so long there's so many different opinions there's such kind of a vast fan base it's such an it's such kind of a cultural institution that when you talk about doctor who you're not just talking about doctor who you're talking about so much more than just the tv show yeah there's so much to it that's why i find it fun to talk about no, definitely, definitely agree. So um, I'll say goodbye. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to our first classic Doctor episode. Um, it's November at the moment. Stick around till next month of December where we'll be talking to Jonathan Morris. We'll be talking to Daniel Evans. We'll be doing Born Again. We'll be doing a Christmas Invasion. And we've got a number of fun videos coming out in the meantime. So bye, everybody. You want to say anything, Harold? Uh um bye bye don't forget to click below to subscribe to the official bigger on the inside podcast